Welcome to Conspiracy Corner with Lacey and Kara. Um, I didn't know we were live. My bad. <laughs> I clicked it while she was still adjusting. That was my fault. So, um, good morning. Welcome back to Conspiracy Corner. Um, it is a brand new month. Yes, it is. So we are talking about a brand new topic. Super excited. And I'm so excited about this one because I'm very passionate about this and I have... It's a lot of information to cover, and I have, I mean, even more than what I'm going to be able to cover today, but I, um, I'm i excited to cover this topic, and we can go ahead and jump right in. Um, I did want to open these two links, and I should have done that prior, and I'm really sorry. Um, so we are going to be talking about Missing 411, which if you're not familiar with Missing 411, it is a, it started as a book series. Um by what is it written by? I always forget his name. David, I think. David it's Politis, but it's I I listened to him say it so that I didn't come in here and butcher it because I'm always butchering people's <laughs> names, but it's Politis, but it's You and me both. It's spelt like Paul Leeds and that's why. But it, so his name is David Politis. Um he's a former police officer who's now an investigator and writer. He's known primarily for his self-published books dedicated to pro- proving the reality of Bigfoot and establishing the missing 411 conspiracy. So he has a series of books under the missing 411 title. Um and then he has um, two documentaries as well. And we're going to talk about one of them. Um, we, this one had enough to cover this whole episode, but we definitely will come back to this and watch the second one and dive back in, I think, because that one, this one's more about, I think, um, I mean, I know, I know this one is more about children going missing, but the second one is called Missing 411, The Hunted. And I started it, but I didn't ever get a chance to finish it. And like I said, this was already enough of, an episode to like then start throwing more people in but that one is focused more on hunters and that one's kind of interesting because um what do you mean hunters like hunters that like hunting deer and yeah but he's saying like um he says in the intro that like like hunters aren't they're not new to the area you know what i mean like hunters have been doing this they usually know the area pretty well they're pretty um they're like well versed in the outdoors and so they they don't very easily get lost they don't very easily lose their way um they're used to being out there with you know not a lot of technology and things so they're pretty um familiar that's the word familiar with the area and familiar with like their surroundings and they're really aware right um and basically like they're not rookies like they're not it's not, I mean, everybody's a first time hunter at one point, but for the most part, hunters do it pretty regularly. And um, they're not like children, children and families just wandering who the were there for the first time visiting, who right. may be in a different state completely, different right. area completely. So, um, so he opens with that and says, like, like, hunters are not, these are not the people that get lost, but they are getting lost. So, what's up with that? Mm. And, um, I will say he gets discredited a lot because he talks a lot about Bigfoot and um, like cryptids and he can have like some out there theories and that doesn't mean that the theories aren't true or good but people very quickly discredit aliens they very quickly discredit Bigfoot Um, everybody wants an answer especially when it involves kids Mm -hmm. so we'll talk a little bit about some of the theories today but um, he does get discredited a little quickly because of some of his theories Mm. um So the National Park Service doesn't collect data on how many visitors disappear within the vast expanses of these parks. Uh, Most people turn up on their own uh, 
accord a few days later, which that's important too. So um, basically thousands of people go missing every year. Um, Many people go missing in state parks and or in on like, it doesn't necessarily have to be a state park, but think like national forests, things that like uh, where visitors go, not necessarily out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but they don't have the, this data and apparently it would take like millions of dollars to pull and like store and collect this kind of data. Um, in 2020, um, David Politis, sorry, I lost my spot completely. David Politis estimated that there were, there had been over 1600 unexplained disappearances in North America. Um, and he has researched 1,200 cases that fit this same type. So the type to him is um, missing mysteriously, mm-hmm. um, possibly coming up or not coming up at all, uh, possibly coming up deceased or not coming up at all, um, and that they seem to, like, vanish. So there's not this, like, oh, he was attacked by a bear and we haven't been able to find him, like, they're there one second, gone the next. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is kind of what his type looks like and what he means when he says, like, this type of case. Okay. Um, so we could do endless radio shows on this because that's a lot of people. Right. Um, on, the, in, on the people who have gone missing, but we're only covering the first uh, missing 411 documentary cases, which are mainly children. Um, I will say though, I have, I opened two links. So when I'm done going through these ones, I do want to touch on some of the other one. Like I want to just say their names cause mm-hmm. I want you to see like how many people are truly just like missing, like that we haven't even like scratched the surface. Okay. Um, just to kind of like get a sense of that. Um, so the first person we're going to talk, Okay. So I actually went back in and did research on the cases because the way that the documentary lays them out is like, it'll talk about one. So this Dior Coons Jr. Um, and it's weird too, because I feel like at one point they referred to him as Dior Mitchell, but then when you do research on him, it's Dior Coons. So I'm for the sake of today going to call him Dior Coons. Um, so the way the documentary is laid out, it will be like introduction to Dior's story another kid back to Dior's story another kid back to Dior's story and it kind of like bounced a little um so it was a little confusing and I've watched the documentary before just out of curiosity but to actually research I I went back in and like read about them because it did get a little confusing and then I feel like lines crossed on like who was found and who wasn't and what was found with them and what wasn't so Hmm. okay I went back and did like I read about each of them um, so Dior went missing. He was two mm-hmm. and, um, he went missing on July 10th, 2015. Dior, his mom, Jessica, uh, his dad, Dior senior, his great grandpa, um, because it was Jessica's grandpa. So it was Dior's great grandpa. And then his grandpa's friend all went camping at this Timber Creek, Timber Creek campground in Grand Lake, Colorado. Um, so they... They did have a camper too. It was I don't know if they were also tent camping, but um, the camper is going to come into play. I'm going to take notes. Okay, <laughs> it is a lot of information, but um, so basically they went on this day fishing trip. So they went down from 
like wherever the campground was and they went down to this fishing trip. Um, when Dior was, during that day, Dior was wearing a camouflage jacket and blue pajama pants. Um, so the story is that he went down. Well, okay, the story gets a little muddy. Um, and this is where one of the theories comes from. But so apparently he was left at the campsite and the parent, the mom and dad, and I believe the grandpa's friend all went down fishing and then they left Dior with his great grandfather. Well, the grandfather says that isn't the case. And then there also, um, is a story that, He did go fishing, but then when they were, like, walking there, when they were there, he got bored, and then he walked back to the – but then, like, I don't know why he would walk alone. But either way, the grandpa doesn't remember being left in charge of him, or he's at least saying he doesn't remember being left in charge of him. And then, like, the stories didn't line up, basically, between everybody. And so, basically, he goes missing. Um, But that one – and like I said they went back and forth to it and then they like talked to each person so this one was a little bit more confusing but I guess they said like oh we went back to go get him because there were these minnows and he liked minnows and then that's when we realized he wasn't there um there is a 911 call from Jessica and then um Dior Sr. gets in his truck at one point to drive higher up or lower down I believe it was higher up to try and get better signal. Either way, she is able to get this 911 call through. Um, she says, my son is missing. She tells him where they are, that they're at this campground. And then um, she said, the, the 911 operator says, well, how long has he been missing? And she says about an hour. So they did try and like look for him first. Um, to this day, he how has- How far could he have got? He was two years old. Yeah. Wait till you hear this other one about another two-year-old. Um so this is the one they focus a lot on in the documentary, and I think it's because there's a lot of, like, like I said, the stories don't always line up, and it's there's a, even a theory that, like, he was never on the camping trip at all. Um, there are theories that he was on the camping trip, but he was lost on purpose. Like, basically, that the parents are involved. Yeah. I Listen, I'm not discrediting any parents right. or anything, like, you look for your child. He's two. Two-year-olds are freaking smart. And fast. They're fast and scary smart, man. Yeah. So but to, and like, go and literally leave your child? Oh, my God. See, and that's what's confusing, too, is, like, did he go back to the campsite? Was he? Did he stay at the campsite? And then they're saying, well, if he stayed at the campsite, did the grandpa know? Did he go in the camper? Because the grandpa does say, like, that he – okay, so I – I made it a little confusing, so let me start over. The grandpa does say he was there. What's confusing is did he get there on his own or did he start there? And then, so basically, the like one of the investigators thinks that the, um, the grandpa went in the camper and left Dior outside, and then he wandered off or somebody took him or an animal got him or something. Um, I'm guessing his body wasn't found. He has never been found, which is confusing because I feel like the way the documentary was laid out, it did sound like he had been found. But when I researched it, I could not find evidence that he had been found. 
Um, th- this may be a long shot, and I'm just asking just because I know pigs eat everything, mm-hmm. but were there uh, hogs in I, those camp- campgrounds? I don't know. This is a Timber Creek campground, so... I don't know what kind of animals are up there. The number one animal that's going to be brought up throughout most of these cases is mountain lions. Um, They wouldn't eat bone, though. No, and they're not clean eaters. So if they did eat something, there would be, like, remnants. Right. Um, And so... I mean, and he's only two, so he's tiny. Yeah. Okay. Um, There would also be blood. There would be be something, and there was never anything. But... The jacket that he was allegedly wearing that day was later seen at Jessica's apartment. <laughs> so oh my God. this one is I this, have goosebumps. This one has a lot of like parent involvement in it. Um, like a lot of people think that it's um, like that they the, were involved that in his disappearance. Their stories didn't line up, and that they they may have been involved. Yeah. It is a little, well, okay, it is a little weird that all of the adult stories don't add up. Literally every single one of them have a different story. Mm-hmm. However, the grandpa is older. Mm-hmm. It's very common for older people to not have, like, a great memory. Right. I, so it's like. The, the theory I've seen to counter the parent theory is always there were too many people involved, right? So, like, right. let's say they never brought him to the campsite. You have to convince the grandfather that he was there, the great-grandfather, you have to convince the grandfather's friend. Like, you have too many people in this story who have to say, oh, yeah, 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 he was there. You know what I mean? Yeah, but if they did have parent involvement, that would be the perfect way to convince them. It's just a lot of, like, hands in the pot, I think. Like, it can be really hard to keep a lie. You know, like, two can keep a secret if one of them is dead kind of thing. Yeah. And did like, the mom and dad story line up? I, I can't remember if you said that. I believe theirs did, yes. The The most confusing part of it is did he stay at the campground mm-hmm. or did he go down to the fishing area and then come back because he was bored or because he was tired or what have you? Um, he's two, so he probably doesn't want to sit by a, a like and fish two, for a little while. Two-year-olds like to explore. Yeah, he wants to walk around and, you know. So, um they also, like, people have scrutinized her 911 call. Um, I think she sounds frantic. I think she sounds upset. Do you have it? Um, I could get it. But, so I I don't know that I would say, um, I, I didn't pick apart the 911 call like I would normally probably. Um, I also think that they say, like, oh, well, why did she wait an hour to call? Well, she's in the wilderness. She may not have had good service. And the first thing you're going to do, like, with something as fast as a two-year-old, you have time. Like, you, the time is against you. The longer you wait, the further away they can get. So yeah. I would look first, too, before I call. I personally call. would look yeah. first. But, and also, like, it's technically not an emergency if you haven't even looked yet. You know? That's he true. Could be around. Because he could be there. Yeah. yeah. So, um... Yeah, so people have said, like, has he, you know, did he fall in the water and drown? Did they even bring him? Like, there was a lot of, um, let me just go here. Uh, There was a lot of um, scrutiny, I think, with the parents. Um, But it's, I think this has the I think the only thing that really piques my interest about 
about that one is like that the grandpa is not like remembering the same thing as the mom and dad. Yeah. And like I'm I'm also kind of debating whether or not he was even there. Yeah, but which is like the number one like the like not theory because obviously the theory is that he got lost in the woods somewhere and maybe a mountain lion got him or whatever. And I think that's how the police or the investigators wrote it off. It's like, oh, well, a mountain lion probably got him. But like, well, then where is he? Where's his arm or his leg or his skeleton or, you know, something? Where's his blood? Like, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of these, like, I probably should not have jumped right into this one because this one is... This I did a doozy. it. I did it in the order of the documentary, like how they start. But um, the how fast he disappears, like oh, one second someone saw him, and then one second he didn't, is how most of them happen. So it when you put them all together, I don't jump right to like oh, well, the parents did something, but then like you can't discredit them. And apparently they did cooperate with the investigation. They did. Um, talk yeah. to police. Mm, I don't know if I would credit that as a way, though, because that recent one that just happened, they were hiding their son. and But they were cooperating with the one that killed his girlfriend. I can't remember the names. Oh, yes, the Gabby Petito you know, case. Parents yeah. will always cooperate no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know... Um, I don't know what I believe on any of them. I think this is the 911 call, so let me see. To make. What's the address of your emergency? Um, I'm actually camping in Red Horse, just outside of Red Horse. Uh-huh. Um, my two-year-old son, um, we can't find him. You can hear Jessica Mitchell's voice trembling. So, uh-oh, here's the other thing. How long has he been missing? About an hour. Yeah. The last place family. So the rest of the 911 call, she does fade like in and out. And I think it does have to do with like service. And even just there, you couldn't hear her say hour very clearly. Um, and that has been credited to she is like in the middle of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. I also, they pick apart that she says, uh, I say they, um, the internet <laughs> picks apart that she says um a lot, but I say um a lot. I and say I'm um on this podcast at yeah, least 15 times. I think I've said it 15 <laughs> times in the past five minutes. So I can't even imagine like being in that situation and being like, um, I, um, um. So yeah, I, I don't know that I. I don't think she sounds frantic, but I do think she sounds like worried. Yeah. I think she sounds upset. And upset. Yeah. Yes. And you can tell that she had been crying. Yes. So, um, I don't so know that I believe the parent involvement thing on this one. It, it's After a little bit of that. a reach. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that doesn't, you know, and then she could be so, an actress. Like, I don't know. Right. And even so, like, you have to look at all of these cases individually. Yeah. So let's say Bigfoot or aliens or mountain lions or whatever did happen to the other A, B, C, D, E, F, G people. This one could still be parent involvement or it could still be its own standalone situation right um it's just the stories got weird and it yeah that one was a little confusing and it was confusing because they broke it up throughout the documentary so they started to tell it and then they would tell this other story and then they would come back to it and be like the grandpa and the dad said this and I'm like of who the grandpa and dad of who said that like I needed it more laid out like 
this is Dior's story. This is this person's story. This is this person's story. It sounds like he has the longest story. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. And he may, it may be because like the most people from his story wanted to talk to them or they gave the most information mm-hmm. or maybe they were trying to get the stories out of them again. Um, but yeah, so that's, so sorry for telling that one kind of confusing. He did, the grandpa did see him. I think I originally said that he didn't see him like he did see him but he says at one point that he didn't remember that he or like he didn't agree to be the one to watch him or he didn't know that he was the one in charge of watching him but they were also not very far from my understanding so it's possible that like they couldn't see the campsite but doesn't mean they were super far off either right um so yeah so that one's a little that one's a little confusing but um so that is Dior Coons Jr. Um, okay. He was two when he went missing. And this was in 2015? Um, in 20, July 10, 2015. Yeah. And these are going to bounce around in years, too. Okay. Um, so we have a question. Grandpa got Alzheimer's? Question mark. Um, he is deteriorating, but he, to my knowledge, does not have Alzheimer's. Um, but he is deteriorating. That was the word that was used. Like his brain is just... Maybe just his health in general. Okay. Maybe not his brain directly, but his health is not the best. Okay. Um, and he actually didn't even speak on camera. He spoke off of camera. So he's recorded, but he was not on he camera for on the camera. documentary. Yeah. I don't know Were if that's parents? an important note. Um, yes. And that's weird, too, because I could probably just do a whole thing on these people. But... <laughs> um, somebody got really upset with her in one of the interviews and she starts crying and says like, I was just trying to help. She is the mom. Um, but somebody, either her mom or her grandmother or somebody didn't want the story being told again or didn't want her talking to them. And so somebody was upset in the family. So he comes in, I believe they are still together. The um, parents, the, the parents, um, I didn't actually research that because it it doesn't really matter if they are or aren't. I mean, I guess it kind of – let me retrace that because they, it could matter because if they're apart, it could be because their story is crumbling because that happened – you see that in, like, um, I think in true crime cases a lot. I think also the death of a child is very hard on parents. Very, yeah. Whether it's before they're born, during, like – When they're adults, what have you. Yeah, it, it I really imagine – and there are lots of cases you see where um, the parents separate. In fact, we – did we just cover one or was I just reading about one? Um, I don't think we've talked about parents yet. But there was one um, – oh, no, it's a, a book I'm reading um, about a disappearance of a little girl, and her parents didn't make it. Like, and she was found deceased also, um, mm-hmm. Amy, Mahal- Amy Mahalovic. Um, from Ohio it's a great book um, but it's a really sad story and there's not a lot of information but her parents didn't make it so um, and her didn't mom make it as in they separated mm-hmm. okay it was just a lot on them and yeah there are rumors that they were going to separate prior but that's its own case too but mm-hmm. yeah so um so that is Dior's story but yes yeah, so basically somebody in the family comes is like hey this shouldn't be why are you doing this like we don't want this getting out. But I feel like that should be left up to the parents of Dior if they want to tell their story. So, um, And then they did play old news clips as well in the documentary. 
Um, so the next one we're going to talk about is Bobby Bizzip. Um, and he was eight, so he was a little bit older. He went missing on August 15th, 1958. Um, he was deaf and he wore a hearing aid. Um, they always mention that in everything I read. And the hearing aid is something that was found. So, um, he was at a camp called St. Mallow. Um, he had been many times in the past. It was like a summer camp, but it sounds like it was like a day camp because it said that he had been multiple times um, in the week and then multiple times before, like throughout the summer and the summer prior. Um, he was down fishing. I guess that was one of the activities. And a counselor came down and said, hey, it's dinner time. We got to go back to the camp. So him and the counselor are walking back, and he was in front of Bobby, which I just feel like, oh, um, yeah, we're, yeah, I'm calling him Bobby. They call him Bobby Bizzip, but his, I believe his real name was Robert, so, but we are calling him Bobby for the purpose of this, because that's what everyone referred to him as. Um, <clears throat> but he, the counselor walked back in front of Bobby, which I thought was interesting, because, like, as someone who's worked with children, you would keep the children in front of you and be more of the caboose, especially if Bobby knows how to get back to camp and you're not, you don't have to guide him, but you could also say, Oh, we're going to turn left here. We're going to turn right here. And there's also normally one in front, one in back. Yeah. And I think this was just like, he was just grabbing him. So like, um, maybe they just sent one counselor to like kind of round up. It was just him fishing. He was the only one fishing that I saw. Um, yeah, the, I find that a little strange. The yeah. Counselor was in front. Now, I have seen that the counselor did have other, like, I wanted to call them students, but, like, other children, other campers. Um, but this article I read from um, Nine News said the counselor came and got Bobby and was walking Bobby back, and it didn't mention other campers, so I'm just going to tell it like that. Um so they were walking back, and the counselor, like, turns around, and Bobby's not there when he was right behind him. So he, And if he's at camp, I don't think he would just be, like, yeah, I'm wandering. Gonna, right, a camp that he's been to multiple times yeah. that he enjoys going to. Um, okay. The article I read stated that he had been in many pictures throughout that day, and in all of them he was smiling. Like, he, like, yeah, loved so he being there. Unhappy. Yeah, it's not like yeah. he was, like, scared and trying to hide. Um. So he's just gone into thin air. I, another thing that's important to note, and I kind of talk about it in the theory section. I wrote it down there. But um, these cases all have extensive searches. But this it's really important for Bobby's case. But, do, I mean, these are not cases. Like, you hear a lot of cases where it's like, oh, we called and nobody did anything and everybody just thinks this and that. No, like, deputies were out there. Investigators were out there. Like, people were out there looking for these kids. Um, so yeah, canvassing the area. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this, these are not easy areas. These are places where you hike and these are places where, um, you know, this is the wilderness. These, it's not like, these are like places that the kids like could just easily wander off. Mm -hmm. Um, so he was actually found, his remains were found in 1959 um so almost a year later almost a year yeah so july of 1959 so it was almost a year later um and he was found in a ravine that's water right yeah 
which that's interesting because not all of the bone fragments were found in the ravine, but um, the documentary noted that it was in the ravine. Um, I'm, I'm just curious. Was like, so if, if some of his body was found in water, was some of it preserved because of that? No, this is all bone fragments at this point. Everything hmm. they found, um, his clothes, his bone fragments, and fragments of his he- ear- hearing aid have been found. I don't even know that they have found the full body yet. Um, and so the the bone fragments were really interesting um, because, well, I think I actually, did I note it? Or was it this other? St- oh, no. Okay. This is the other one. Okay. So the bone fragments, so yeah. I'm mixing the cases up again. This, but yes, there were bone fragments found, fragments of the hearing aid, and then his clothes. Okay. Um, uh, the clothes seem to be in a good condition, and that is the same for another um, one we're going to, another child we're going to talk about. But I do want to note that um, a article that was posted and then shared on Reddit, so it was posted by WBIR, and then um, a Redditor shared it, so in 2021, they found a skull in the area. Um, it is still being tested, but they do believe that it might be his. So if they found his whole skull, then that that could be huge because most of the other bone pieces they found excuse me, were fragments. Um, according to the article, the skull is believed to belong to a boy who disappeared from summer camp that has been in possession of a Colorado family federal investigators um, have obtained what they believe is the boy's skull. So um, I copy-pasted this because someone had this skull. It was um, originally in the possession of his father, Dr. Joseph McCloskey, and he was a prominent member of the Catholic Church and a close friend of the priest who was running Camp St. Mallow when the boy vanished. Um, he took possession of the skull in 1980, um, so it was found in 1980? Well, it was found before that because Tom McClowski is took possession of the skull in 1980 when his father died, saying that the only thing his father ever told him is that it may be the skull of a boy who disappeared at the camp. And this is from WBIR. Okay. Rewind. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Yes. Um, so the skull was found mm-hmm. either on or before 1980. And definitely after 59, but definitely it wasn't 59. said that it was found no, until No, this guy 20, just had 21? it, a Denver area man that's named weird. Dr. Tom McClowski. Well, sorry. that's who had, sorry. sorry. That's weird. Tom McClowski was the son of Joseph McClowski, both doctors. Joseph had it originally and gave it to Tom. But Sh- like, why would you keep it and not tell? And it's very weird. I don't know. And Joseph, who is the older so the senior doctor um is a prominent member of the catholic church and a close friend of the priest who was running camp st mallow when the boy vanished i don't know if i want to comment any further on this <laughs> it's Besides, very weird it's weird yeah That's, that is my comment um, that is strange this one's very weird um and i feel like so obviously none of this was mentioned in the documentary because this just happened it just hap- when last was that year. documentary released i believe 19 Okay. Yeah. 2019. So then, yeah, two years before this one yeah. was found, quote unquote. Yeah. But I also like, yeah. So just 
digest that one. But basically, I don't think I can. They may have the boy's skull, but it was held on to by this gentleman, this doctor, who then gave it to his son. Very weird. Um, and then I'm wondering. So it's saying he was a close friend of this priest. Did the priest know he had it? I'm banking on yes, probably. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit. We'll revisit this in the theories. But um, because one of the most common theories for and all of these people who go missing, including the kids and the adults, like the hunters and everything, are that they are abducted. So um, if this boy was abducted, that would also make sense because this guy would have known the area. If he knew the priest he, and he, he knew the camp, you know what I mean? And Bobby may have trusted him. Maybe he was someone who had been around. So he didn't he didn't wander. He was following someone he knew. Yeah, he went with someone he knew. Yeah. Okay, we'll okay. move forward. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> so next is Jared Atadero. Yeah, I think I'm saying that one right. Um, so this one was hard this one was hard to watch because the dad is like really involved and he feels really guilty and i i would agree that most of the parents feel really guilty but it this father spoke and so this one was really hard um so he was three and he disappeared on a hike with a group in big south trail roosevelt national forest in north dakota um the powdre river resort is owned by jared's dad alan and his twin brother arlen jared and his sister jocelyn had been wanting to go on an excursion they were staying at the resort with their dad uh, and they really wanted to go on an excursion and um there was a christians singles group that jared's mother was a member of um jared's mother and jared's father had divorced at this time um so before the disappearance Yes. Okay. And she was a member of this Christian singles group. And so they were going to this fish hatchery. Um, and so they, Jocelyn and Jared went with them. So it's not like they were going with strangers. I mean, they kind of were, but not really. Um, at one point, the group split into two. So it was a faster group and a slower group. Um, it's unclear what group Jared was in. I was about to ask that. I was yeah. like, which group was he in? So two fishermen saw Jared, but he was a random fisherman. Yeah, they were just like off to the side. Um, they saw him and he I don't know if he asked them a question or if they asked him a question. Um, the fishermen are quoted as saying that they didn't think it was unusual that he was alone because they could see the group behind him. So the what's not clear is if he was in front of the faster group or if he was in between the fast group and the slow group. And therefore did not pick a group? Well, he just was running between them. So he was a little bit faster than the slow group, but slower than the fast group, I guess. Okay. Or maybe he had originally chosen the slow group and then was trying to catch up to the fast group. Um, the fishermen only said that they saw a group behind him. They didn't mention anything about a group in front of him. Okay. Um, but... Um, at one point, the hiking party, which is this Christian single group, singles group, her, including Jocelyn, his sister, heard a playful scream. Um, 
she said that it didn't sound like anybody was in trouble. It sounded like they were playing tag or something. Um, at least that's what she told her dad. After realizing Jared was missing and searching for him for about an hour, two members of the group returned to the resort to tell Alan. And this was quoted in this article, and it was quoted in the movie, so I wrote the quote down exact exactly. They said, you need to sit down. Something happened to Jared. And he said, what happened to Jared? Thinking he was maybe hurt or something. And they said, he's okay. We just can't find him. Well, how would you know he's okay? Right. If you can't find him. And I think it's interesting that um, the article and the documentary mentioned that exact quote. The two members that went to go tell his dad, were they children or were they like... I think the only children in the group were Jocelyn and Jared because they went from this resort that the dad owned. This is like a singles group of like adults. Got it. Um, But I didn't find any identification on them. It just says two members went back. Um, But yeah, so they said, he's okay. We just can't find him, which is a weird quote to me because if you can't find someone, how do you know they are okay? (laughs) That is exactly my question at the moment. Um, Another interesting thing to mention was that during one of the searches, a search helicopter helicopter returned to refuel and then struggled in conditions and ended up crashing. Yeah. Is there a freaking Bermuda Triangle? I don't know. But they (laughs) lived um, because the recount of the crash is from the pilot. But um, they definitely crashed. Um. They did end up finding his remains. On June 4th, 2003, Fort Collins businessman and hiking partners Gary Watts and Rob Osborne were hiking off trail in Big South Trail area where they stumbled upon a white Tarzan tennis shoe in a tallest slope 500 vertical feet above the trail. Um, when they found the other shoe, a brown fleece jacket and blue sweatpants turned inside out one pant leg was mostly scattered by birds using the material in their nests. While the cloth jacket and what appeared to be had what appeared to be puncture marks and the pants tattered, the nylon shoes had little weathering. Eleven days later, just before Father's Day, searchers found a molar and a skull cap. So keep in mind, they are doing extensive searches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't find these clothes that are just laying in plain sight. They don't find these shoes that have been left out in the in the wilderness and they're still white. So they were staged. Right. So the theory, and this is where I got confused with the other f- fragments, the theory is that the things are being placed. Like to be found so that they'll stop. Right. But they realize that it's not going to stop until the body's found, right? Well, <laughs> so they did find a molar and a skull cap. Which the father still has the skull cap, and it's really sad. But um, he pretty much says, like, this is all I have of my son. So it's really sad. Um, but the molar is interesting, too, because it was placed on top of a log that had fallen over. Just, like, it's placed on top. Perfectly placed. Placed. So you're telling me no wind, no weather, no animals. Nothing moved it or bumped it or knocked it on the floor. It just was, like, placed. Th- like... So there's a theory that the stuff has been, like, placed and that if it was, like, a mountain lion, like, mountain lions are not removing sweaters. They're not removing pants. They're not 
taking off shoes right they're just making a mess so um the mountain lion thing is always so popular because there are so many mountain lions and they can be extremely dangerous um but i do have a statistic that they're not actually mountain lion attacks are not actually super common right um so we'll talk about that but um yeah so they did find parts of him but and his clothes the clothes thing is what has everybody kind of considering abduction because with the exception of like the birds picking here and there like the clothes were in decent condition and then the shoes were in great condition also like i think about two he's three so if he's walking around trying to find his parents let's say he did wander off and get lost why are his shoes in such good condition if he's out in the wilderness yeah so there's that one um we're gonna talk about two more really quick i know we're getting there um samuel i don't know how to say his last name and i think they only said it once and i missed it so i'm just gonna call it it's bo bo hilk that's how i would say it okay samuel b he was eight so another a little bit older um he disappeared on october 14 2006 in cleetwood cove crater lake national park oregon um a quick note about Crater Lake, the Klamath people, Native Americans, indigenous to the area. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Klamath? Klamath? Um, believe that Crater Lake is sacred. For generations, they told of it being crossroads between a spirit of above called Skell and the spirit of below called Lau. I've heard the Skell name before. Yeah. So, it's a fi- so there's a spirit above and then this fiery dark figure from below um so like heaven and hell right okay um and so those are um they believe that the that crater lake is something that allows them to cross through um so he was with his father and he ran up a slope playing tag or hide and seek um with his father and he refused to come down from the slope um, I guess he thought his father was, like, still playing with him. Mm-hmm. And hit, while his father was chasing him from 50 feet behind, he appeared to vanish. So, like, the father said he went up. You know how sometimes you go, like, up over a hill and you can't see the other side? So it was, yes. like, something like that. Like, the when the father got up to the top, he was gone. Um, there was an extensive search for him, and he, to this day, has never been found. Um, the one I think is interesting and I included, I included a newspaper clipping that I'm going to read, um, is Keith Parkins. So he was two at the time. He had been found alive. Okay. Um, I just got goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And so he was actually in the documentary and he spoke and he doesn't remember anything. He says he has no memory of the incident. How old was he in the documentary? Um, older, probably like, I didn't write a year for this one, but maybe 60s, 50s or 60s. Let me see if I can find. Um, so he was found alive, but unconscious face down in the snow with no memory of the incident. His clothing was ripped and his jacket was removed. Okay. (laughs) He was born in 52. So if the documentary was in 2019... Almost 70? 
almost 70. Yeah, so he's 60s. I wouldn't remember my two-year-old self either. Yeah, but he's never remembered. He was like never ever? able to recall any of it. Um, so it was really cold. The weather conditions were really bad. It was freezing temperatures, and he was found face down in the snow. Um, his clothing was ripped, and his jacket was removed. So I included notes on the um, Dyatlov Pass incident and Kanika Jenkins because um, if you're not familiar with the Dyatlov Pass, it was they were Russian. Um, is it hike, hiking when you like climb up mountains? like Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. So they were like hikers um, and they were um, in the freezing cold and they were climbing up this mountain um, and they, because it takes days to like get up mountains and stuff. And these are experienced hikers. Like these are people who had been doing this for years. Um, They set up camp for the night and then the next morning um, they were all found dead and like their camp was destroyed and, that's it's own, we could do a whole episode on that but and now they think they found like what caused it and stuff but i i don't know i think they're just trying to close it but yeah so there's that whole incident um man, many of the Dyatlov pass um victims were found to have removed articles of clothing um and before i say why i'll go to kanika jenkins so kanika jenkins was the young lady who um went to a party at a hotel with her friends and she was later found deceased in the freezer um of the hotel it was like a kitchen that wasn't in use um and the story is that she allegedly had had too much to drink wandered around the hotel she's seen on camera throughout the whole hotel and then later she's found deceased in this freezer um there's a lot of speculation around what caused that why like in that as well um but she was also found with her shirt pulled up and her pants pulled down. Um, so in both cases, when I have read about them, there are experts that will say that when you are freezing to death, you feel like you are sweating. Okay. And so, or you feel like you're on fire. Maybe not sweating because you're obviously not sweating, but your body starts to feel like it's on fire. So it's to, hypothermia, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what you do to resolve that is you try to remove your clothing to, like, cool down. Because if you were really overheating, you would remove clothing to cool down. Um, And so people who are going through that um, tend to remove articles of clothing. So if he – it necessarily – like, a lot of people obviously want to point to somebody took his jacket off or whatever. But it is possible that if he was starting to get that cold – he began to remove the articles of clothing. And that's why I included those two other cases because um, those are really big ones where the clothing was questioned or why they removed their clothes or why clothing was moved. Yeah, which I I thought was interesting too. But it makes sense because um, your body is like – shutting down i actually don't know if i've ever heard that so that uh, that's why i'm like wow i don't know if that's that's interesting because i've never heard that that's like the number one thing in the like the the incident with the hikers Mm -hmm. is that they think that like they were freezing to death and that's why they started to remove articles of clothing because the theories obviously have to do with them being attacked by a force they couldn't see or even a force they could see or some kind of cryptid or something Mm -hmm. but um, and so it was removing their clothing, but it's possible scientifically that they were removing their own clothing because they felt like they were too hot. 
Um, So again, that could be why he removed his jacket. Um, This one's interesting because he was actually on his grandfather's cattle ranch um, in Ritter, Oregon. He's two, so I don't know how much a two-year-old can remember as far as land and be familiar with, but like it's just possible that he knew a little bit more than some of these other kids did because this they were was an unfamiliar place. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, I've seen it listed that he was found eight miles away. And I have also seen it listed that he was found 12 miles away from the initial area. So I included both one article I read even said eight to 12 miles away because I think they're doing what I'm doing and just including both numbers. Um, so I don't know exactly how far, but somewhere between, eight and 12 miles away from where he was initially he that far well so that's where the theory is like that's where it the theory falls apart um so it was about 19 hours that he was missing and so they are saying and they say in the documentary if he was found that far away he would have had to be walking for the entire 19 hours but with his tiny little legs with his tiny little legs but two-year-olds are pretty fast so yeah they are but and they have a buttload of energy so i looked up from my house to a specific aldi that i knew was about 15 i thought was 13 miles away but it's 15 Mm -hmm. miles away um google maps estimates four hours of walking time to get from my house to aldi that's 15 miles away um keeping in mind that he was too this is very different terrain. It's hiking style terrain mm-hmm. and it's freezing. Right. So very different, but it's not impossible that he could have walked all of that amount and he had 19 hours to do so. Okay. Um, but it is noted that for him to have done it, he would have had to walk for the entire time. I don't know that that's true, but he obviously would walk a lot slower than a normal adult. Mm-hmm. Um, unless he was like running or something he also could have easily been tired he would have been cold so that would have been working against him um but again he did kind of know the area too Mm -hmm. so um and then there is a reddit thread actually that breaks down the timeline really well and we'll include that link in our description um for this episode but um it's the reddit thread locations underscore unknown and it's written by the user locations underscore unknown. And then there's now a podcast by the same name. So it sounds like the user wrote or made a podcast as well. But he, um, I say he because in the podcast he's a gentleman. But okay. if that's not who's behind the same account, then I'm sorry. But he breaks down the entire time frame of the day, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and what it would have looked like for the boy. I also believe that he states that he would have had to walk for the entire 19 hours as well. Uh, But I just don't know that I believe that. So the news article says, boy's condition still critical. Um, Attendants in Pendleton Hospital said Friday that three-year-old Keith Parkin... Okay, so he's three. Interesting, because the article said two. Okay, well, he was either two or three. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Is expected to recover after spending Wednesday night in a brush-filled canyon near Ritter, Oregon. His condition was listed as critical. The youngster son of Washington State Penitentiary Guard wandered away from his grandfather's ranch at Ritter about noon on Wednesday. 
He was found unconscious on the frozen ground of Skull Canyon early Thursday morning by a search party that included his father, Alan O'Parkins. The spot was several miles from the ranch at Ritter. State Police Officer Thomas Taylor of John Day, Oregon, said the lad was stiff from cold and exposure when found. He was flown to a hospital here in a private plane. So quite a bit of instances in Oregon. Yeah, Oregon and Colorado. There was only one that was North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so um, that one was really interesting because he lived and he doesn't remember any of it. Granted, how much do you remember from when you were two or three? You know, I literally remember nothing. Right, and so, but he didn't ever remember. Okay. And I think it was his sister that also spoke in the documentary. There was a woman, um, and she said, like, he's never remembered anything from that day. So um, so some of the theories I want to talk about, the number one thing is mountain lions. Everybody goes to mountain lions, but there's never any blood found. And, like, a mountain lion is not going to take off your clothing. They're going to just rip you to shreds. And they are really vicious. There are stories of people just, like, walking on a hike and one like jumps out and attacks them um but and this statistic i believe was from 2017 but even still if you added maybe three or four more since 1915 only 14 fatal mountain lion attacks have happened in the u.s and canada so that's a really low number of mountain lion attacks over 100 years yeah right and to constantly jump to that like oh well, it must have been a mountain lion but then you have this statistic that's not even at 20 it just like didn't add up for me I also just like I don't know I just a mountain lion is not taking your clothes off they're not yeah. caring if your shoes are still white they're not putting your tooth on a log mm-hmm. um uh, I did include again that extensive extensive searches did happen for all of these kids like these were not things that were taken lightly. All of these went into action. Like, people went into action to find them. Like, mm-hmm. And there were multiple days, multiple people involved. Um, and, and still, like, some of them have never even been found. I don't know th- if I believe abductions for all of these cases. Mm-hmm. But definitely for at least two of them, I do. Yeah, so going into abductions, that's another one of the biggest theories um, is that someone or a group is, like, out there, like, in the wilderness of I'll different areas, <laughs> like, taking kids. And, like, I, again, it's not just kids. Like, when you get into, like, the hunter one, like, these are people of all ages. And I just feel like it, you, you take a risk with someone like a hunter who's going to be probably pretty fit and know the area a little bit better um so it's that one's difficult to say but um I do think that I do think that abductions play a role in some of them especially when you think about like I don't know that second one was real weird (laughs) yeah weird yeah and that one's yes and I think that that has something to do with it too like people or entities or something that are welcoming to the kids because they don't appear afraid and like with with the exception of jared there's never been anyone who talks about like screaming sounds or cries for help um something else that i didn't note in this 
is I believe it was Bobby. It may have been Jared, but I believe it was Bobby who was also, there were like sightings of him in other places and at other national parks, like in tour groups and stuff. So there's like a weird connection too, like between all the different locations and like between the, like the ages of the kids are very similar. And I mean, and then so going into, so on the story of Bobby, um, I got the information from a website called Strange Outdoors. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom, there are other, it says, read more strange stories from Oregon. The search for Anna Schmidt at Moonra Point, Oregon. The strange disappearance for, of Alyssa Marie McCran from Multnomah Falls. The strange disappearance of Ronald Allen Ohm from Mount Jefferson Wilderness. The mysterious disappearance of Garen Kirk from Mount Hood National Park. The strange disappearance of Robert Bobo from the Rogue River National Forest. The Strange Disappearance of Roy Lawrence Stevens from the Willamette National Forest. The Strange Disappearance, disappearance of Derek Engebretson from the Winema National Forest. The Strange Disappearance of Robert Perry Bissell from the Mount Hood National Park. The Puzzling Disappearance and Death of Jake Dutton from the Three Sisters Wilderness. The Strange Disappearance of Daming Zhu from the Three Sisters Wilderness. The Bizarre Disappearance and Death of Corey Fay in the Badger Creek Wilderness. Like... I'd be curious to know how old all of these kids were. Yeah, same. But it's just and like, I see, like person after person. Like yeah. there's, this is, what did I just list? 15 stories? Like All from Oregon? This is just Oregon. Yeah, read more stories from Oregon. And that's just one state. And then I have this other one. Um, and this is people of all ages. This one's not just kids, I believe. But this is from How Stuff Works. 13 Mysterious disappearances in national parks bessie and glenn hyde in 1928 alfred bilehart's in 1938 Catherine van alst in 1946 paula weldon in 1946 larry jeffrey in 1966 dennis martin in 1969 douglas leg in 1971 john devine in 1997 david gonzalez in 2004 uh prob Prabdeep Shran in 2013, Jacob Gray in 2017, and Sian McLaughlin in 2021. It, the number one on this list is Gabby Petito, but we do unfortunately know how her story ended. So, um, yeah. So there's another list of like, but I've just but that's named, all over the world. Or? This is everywhere. Yeah, this is not anywhere. Or all over the U.S. or the world. Yeah, the U.S. U.S. Okay. Um, but that's also. The earliest one is 1928 all the way up to 2021. So it's been happening for years. It happens all the time in different parks. And I just listed 30 people to you in a matter of seconds. Yeah. And nobody's talking about this. Nobody's talking about how common this is. Nobody's talking about the fact that there's not a missing person database for it. And it, while there are extensive searches for it, nobody's doing anything to fix it. Like, something has to happen for the search to be prompted. When it comes to disappearances, too, and maybe I've just watched too many TV shows, <laughs> but the psyche of, like, whoever is doing it, mm-hmm. there's always a correlation. Mm-hmm. There's always a reason why these people are being chosen. Mm-hmm. And, like, I want to know why. I want to know what the correlation is. Yeah. Because finding the correlation could help you find the person. Correct. 
But so. it, that's what's weird too is like they are different ages. They aren't always at the same place. They aren't, you know, like there's a lot of differences while there are a lot of things that are alike. And so yeah. I think there's more differences and that's why there's no, you can't be like, oh, they're all blonde haired boys. No, it's deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah. So. For sure. Um, I do think the thing with the skull and the like guy who knew the priest is weird. It's weird. Yeah. I think that the situation with Dior and his parents and how the story didn't line up. Granted, I can imagine being in such a state of shock that maybe your stories don't add up. You know what I mean? The, the grandfather's health is declining. Maybe there's, maybe you forgot to say something and now it's weird if you say it later, you know, like little things like that. But yeah, I just think there's a lot more to these stories than what was in the documentary or what is in these news articles. There's more of, there's more links. There's more suspicious activity happening in the national parks or in the wilderness. The wilderness, the forest. Um, and then so at the bottom, I just included the missing 411, the hunted, because I did start it, but I didn't, I just didn't I have time. I think we should do a show on that one. Yeah, and we can we can revisit. Like I said, I just read you 30 names. We could do, we could do just this for the rest of the year. Like, yeah. And so it's, that's what's difficult about it. And I, I've just been really engulfed in like people going missing just recently, even like, there was that family that was like found dead and there was like no sign of like shock or, and then they were like, Oh, maybe they all ate mushrooms. These like dangerous, deadly mushrooms. It was like the parents and the dog. Um, we have another commenter who said one answer aliens. So that you're not wrong. That's a huge theory. Honestly, um, I, and I would, we're, we're going to talk about some mysterious people. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just hint one. There's someone called the Fuzzy Man. Yeah. He so is interesting. There's a claim that one of the... So there's another story. We'll talk about it when we talk more about yeah. the Fuzzy Man. But basically, the little boy says, no, I was fine. Like, the Fuzzy Man took care of me. And, yeah. like, and everyone's what? like, what? <laughs> um, but there are aliens, Bigfoot different wilderness entities mm -hmm. um have all been mentioned and i think they get discredited really easily because it's like oh no it's definitely mountain lions it's not aliens but it's not mountain lions um no. i listened to another podcast that said that if you compare like national parks and like ufo sightings there are hot spots for ufo sightings and that's not a coincidence well if any one of us is gonna find the answer to that it's gonna be you <laughs> so because <laughs> you're gonna deep dive into reddit i'm gonna be like oh man there's probably a reddit thread for it yeah but yeah no so aliens definitely not off the table um cryptids not off the table like bigfoot not off the table and i think bigfoot is friendly though in my but that's just my theory. friendly enough to take care of children Yes. So but not how do we them. know these kids aren't still out there? Exactly. Yeah. I, I think he's friendly, though. Yeah. And so we don't know. So yeah. there's a lot. And we're going to do an episode more on theories and more on some of the entities. Yes. Um, but good recommendation because aliens, definitely out there. Uh, for for some of the ones that we're going to talk about, aliens are definitely a high possibility. I always believe it's the aliens. Always. The pyramids. Yep. National parks. Mm -hmm. You know. I'm always going to support an alien theory. <laughs> 100%. Um, but I do want to end with a good, another good news article. Um, 
that they just are that's a really good way especially to talk after talking about all these kids it's so sad um so there is a research that was published this week by um eve oh never mind it's just eve i thought it was evea but that's appeal eveappeal.org.uk um so they have found a single test based on a cervical screening that could help predict the risk of women developing ovarian and breast cancer and with this type of early intervention it's possible that um patient outcomes could improve because it's much earlier than some of the testing we have right now Mm -hmm. so um they are starting to put that into um research and getting getting more on that and that would be really great to have that would be um thank you guys for listening today though we this will be up on spotify we are on instagram and twitter at conspiracy corner vc i gotta write that down um and we want to know more of your theories we will definitely be posting about it too um and then we'll be back to talk about we're gonna talk about national parks and missing people all month and i'm super excited because and i have goosebumps because i have a feeling i'm gonna find some stuff (laughs) Um, But thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you then. Bye. Bye.